0: To be
1: Thank you Elena. Praise God for the solid rock. He is the solid rock. I'm thankful to have the word of God this morning to be able to open up and for God to speak to our hearts. I hope you came today to hear from the Lord. I hope that God is already speaking to your heart. But I wanted to open the word of God once again. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're at this morning. Peter chapter 2. This past year has been an interesting year, hasn't it? I say year, it's going on a year and a half now. A lot of interesting things have happened. A lot of things have made me feel uncomfortable this past year. Um, COVID has been a very uncomfortable thing. Uh, wearing a mask very uncomfortable. How I many of you all enjoy wearing those masks? You just love it, right? Oh, come on, Ken. I know that's not true. <laughs> oh my, when I see the sign and they tell you you've got to wear a mask, I thought, oh boy. And I, I, so uncomfortable. You know, I'll tell you what, all the different challenges that we've gone through with COVID have been very uncomfortable. They've not been a, a joyful thing to go through at all. There's no doubt about that. I can tell you this, getting COVID was not very comfortable either. Last December, not very comfortable at all getting COVID. Praise the Lord that my family, as the, after we got it, we were able to recover fully from that. I say fully almost. There's still some taste issues going on, but other than that, we've had full recovery. But that was very uncomfortable. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks of feeling so drawn and down and, and wore out and just under the weather. And um, it, was, it was interesting. Last Christmas was really uncomfortable. We were starting to feel physically better, but none of us had any taste couldn't taste anything, and so I did what I normally do at Christmas. We have a tradition. I make biscuits and gravy, and we have a great big breakfast, and we, before we eat, we read the Christmas story, and then we have breakfast. Well, the Christmas story was great. Loved that. But Then we all ate. It was the best gravy and biscuits I ever made. Nobody could taste a thing. I told them it was, though. I said, that's the best it's ever been. Couldn't taste a thing. And then for our Christmas dinner, you couldn't, none of us could taste anything. And so then we had fun tasting things and try to figure out what it was, and uh, you know hot sauce and vinegar and stuff like that you couldn't even tell what it was at all was crazy but it was so uncomfortable I didn't enjoy it you know there's a lot of things in life that are uncomfortable and not fun to go through how about going to the dentist how many you all like going to the dentist raise your hand up we've got a, I expected two hands but not four all right I really didn't expect us to have four we uh, I didn't see your hand brother did you have your hand raised He did too. Okay, so we had three hands. Our dentists that are here today. The rest of you, there's something wrong with you. We'll have to have a special meeting and maybe a prayer meeting for you later. No, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you what. Growing up, I did not want to go to the dentist. How many of y'all felt it was uncomfortable going to the dentist when you were growing up? Now, that's because it was the old dentistry. Now, new dentistry, it's perfectly fine. You don't feel anything. They make you so happy while you're there. I'm not sure what makes you happy. Maybe it's a laughing, I don't know what it is, but they make it, no, I'm just kidding around, they've come a long ways, but it's still, for me, because of the memories I had when I was a kid, it's not real comfortable when I go, they have to, they check my blood pressure, for some reason, it's the highest that it's ever, you know, that, it's like, it just goes off the chart, I don't know why, you know, but uh, anyway, I'm having fun with that, but, you know, there's things that are very uncomfortable, that you have to get out of your comfort zone to go do them, but I need to go to the dentist. And I need to get my teeth cleaned. And I need to make sure what stuff's taken care of. And getting out of my comfort zone because I know there's a reason I should go. Because it's what's best for my health. And there's a lot of health reasons you should go. I'm not going to camp out that all day, all day. But, you know, there's uncomfortable things that we do. You know, how about this one? You're, you're a senior in high school. It's very uncomfortable to have to go and take that ACT test to get ready for college. How many ever took an ACT test? You got, your, okay, lots of hands. Was it comfortable? Did you like, I can't wait to take this test. I just can't wait to do it. Now, I don't think that's probably the normal response, unless you're a genius of some sort. But most response is, oh, I'm so scared. I'm worried what I'm going to do. Uncomfortable. How about this one? How many of y'all have been audited by the, no, don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. But being audited by the IRS is not a very comfortable thing, I'm sure. Never have myself. Never been through that. But I can't imagine sitting across from an IRS agent, okay, let's get the numbers now, and pulling out all the receipts and whatever else. I'm not even sure. Maybe I'm showing my ignorance here. I hope I never have to find out what it's really like. But I can imagine that would be a little bit out of my comfort zone to go to the IRS. I can't think of any positive that would come from that, by the way. None. Some things, you get out of your comfort zone, there's a reason for it. Go to the dentist, helps your teeth, right? Helps your health. Good thing. ACT test helps you to get perhaps get some scholarships, maybe to be able to get placed in the college that you know that God wants you to go to, whatever it might be, positive things that we can think about. IRS audit, no, I, I, let's just move beyond that, okay? I don't know where that would be positive at all. But, you know, th- the truth is we all go through uncomfortable times. And sometimes those uncomfortable things are for good, and sometimes they're not for good. And so we all know that there are some things in life that, that, that will make us feel uncomfortable and there are some things in life that should make us feel uncomfortable. They should make us uncomfortable. And the the fact of the matter is, there are some things in life that should make us uncomfortable, and there are some times that they don't even make us feel uncomfortable. We should be uncomfortable, and yet we're not. Now, you'll understand better. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the subject and kind of delving into it a little bit, and we're going to be looking at the things that require us to get out of our comfort zone and challenge us a little bit. And the first one, it may surprise you that we're looking at today, I want to talk about the fact that church, church ought to get you out of your comfort zone. Church ought to get you. It ought to make us feel uncomfortable at times. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I'm uncomfortable. I come in here, the floor is cold. That's so uncomfortable. I'm sorry. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? That's not what we're talking about when we talk about being uncomfortable. I want you to think about this. Talk about being in church. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I want you to think about the Old Testament. I want you to think about once a year how the Day of Atonement, how the the, the high priest was supposed to go in, the priest that was appointed for that time, and it was his time, his turn, to go into the Holy of Holies. You know, talk about going to church and being on edge. But can you imagine, you know, for us, we go and pray. We prayed earlier. We went before the very throne of God in the Holy of Holies. But can you imagine as a high priest going on the Day of Atonement, and there he is before he goes in and to that place where the veil has separated the common man from being able to go in to go before the throne of God, and there at the mercy seat, and there we see the Ark of the Covenant. Before he ever went in there, they would actually tie a rope to his leg, and they'd have bells on the bottom of his garment. So that when he went in there, as he was going through the, the rituals and, and going through the process of, of offering up the blood for the atoning sacrifice there on the mercy seat, and the sprinkling and the hiss-up and all of that was going on, the things that were happening, you'd hear those bells. But they had a rope tied around his leg. Do you know why they put a rope around his leg? He knew full why why they were going to put a rope around his leg. Can you imagine as you're preparing to go in there and as that other that the other priest is there and he puts a rope and ties it onto your leg. And and before you go in, understanding that that rope is there because if you go in and you are going in and you've not been properly prepared and you have sin in your heart and there's something between you and God and you go in there and God strikes you dead, that they can pull you out with that rope. Can you imagine that? You want to talk about being Uncomfortable. Now, aren't you glad today that we're not tying ropes around your ankles before you walk in here and we go before the Holy of Holies? <laughs> Amen. I'm glad for that. But you know, here we see such an uncomfortable thing. Today, in our society that we live in, the churches that we go to today, we try to make things so comfortable in church. I mean, we try to make sure, even like Elena, I don't know how that seat just ends up there by accident. You know, this beautiful new seat that we're getting for our auditorium here. Yeah, I see that, Joyce. Joyce is like, hey, I want that chair over there. It's up here. Elena's got it. I don't know how that happened, but, you know, that thing is comfortable. We're trying to, this is called a pew chair, and it's beautiful and comfortable. We put the order in. we got an order. coming. We want, they may want the seats to be comfortable. How many of y'all are glad for comfortable seats? Can I hear any of that, right? You want the seats to be comfortable, and you want it to be warm. I tried this week to make sure it was nice and warm in here. I turned the air on, I turned the heat on, I tried to get the circulation going, so I tried to circulate a little bit on the floor, trying to make sure that when you sat down that you were comfortable. I, I'm, see, I'm, I'm conf- conflicted with this, because some of you will fall asleep, because you've got a comfortable chair, and it's warm in here. But we try to make it comfortable, and if it's not comfortable, what do we do? I'm not going to church, it's not comfortable. Not everybody would do that, but there's some. You know, we try to make church so comfortable. We try to make sure that we, you know, we have donuts and coffee. How many of y'all are glad for donuts and coffee? Amen, right? I apologize for contributing to the gluttony issue in in Ludington, but... (laughs) We try to make it nice when you walk in. I mean, some churches, they have coffee shops. And I think in the right context, having a nice place to enjoy the coffee, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, having everything. There's some, I've seen some churches, that, these mega churches, they've got a shopping mall. They've got all these different things and all this stuff built in. I mean, so comfort and all these different things. And, man, you want to make sure that everything is just beautiful there's the most comfortable place as possible. Hmm. The sad part, though, is this. Nothing wrong necessarily with having a nice chair. Nothing wrong with making sure the room is warm. Make Nothing wrong with serving coffee and donuts before the, before the church service. The problem is, is that they try to make the sermons comfortable as well. Preaching with no power, no conviction... Preaching that makes people feel okay about themselves and okay that everything's just fine. That itches their ears. They have tickling ears and it itches their ear and it makes them feel like everything's just fine. There's lots of churches across the country that are just like that. And so I want us to look at the Bible. And I want us to understand that church should be a place that gets you out of your comfort zone and makes you uncomfortable at times. I can tell you this, if you're going to come to this church, there's going to be times you're going to feel uncomfortable sitting in those chairs. Not necessarily because it's not going to be a comfortable chair, but because the Word of God is going to speak to your heart. That there's going to be conviction. God's going to challenge you. I want you to look here, if you would, First 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse number 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all, evil, and, and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let me stop and ask you. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious? Praise God for who He is. And the Word of God tells us this. The sincere milk of the Word helps us to understand that better. Look at verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I want us to think about this today. I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about how it challenges us to get out of our comfort zone. How there's going to be times and the reason why that is in place and why it's there. Let's have a word of prayer. Would you join me as we pray? As we go before the holy of holies, before God. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come And we do come in the name of Jesus, our high priest. And Lord, I thank you today for the privilege of knowing you. I thank you for allowing us to be forgiven. Even though we are sinners and there is a price that was paid, I thank you that Jesus died on Calvary's cross to pay that price. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge our hearts in this time as we hear from your word, that your Holy Spirit would challenge us. And Lord, that we would better understand why why that we need to get out of our comfort zone, why that we need to be convicted, why that you need to speak through the preaching of your word and challenge our hearts. And Lord, that we would desire that, be what we want. We want to hear from you. We want to be changed. We want for our our lives to be a a, a life that would bring honor and glory to you, that we would live a life of holiness unto you. I pray that you challenge us now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at it. First thing I want to share with you that. Number one, the church is not always a place of comfort because, here it is, it needs to expose those things in our lives that are not Christ-like. It needs to expose the things in our life that are not like Christ, and it needs to challenge us to remove those things out of our life. That's what preaching of the Word of God ought to be doing in your life. It ought to be exposing it ought to be challenging, it ought to be naming it, it ought, to be, it ought to be something that causes you to be able to see that there's something in your life that God is challenging you on. He says there in verse number one, notice it once again, he says, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. I'll tell you what, that is a challenging verse right there. And if I'm going to preach on that verse, there's going to be some challenges about putting these things, about laying aside these things. Now let me stop and just step aside for just a moment and ask you a question. Do you want a preacher that's going to preach you the truth? Do you want that? you sure? That's what you want here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. That's not common, you know. There's a lot of people in the world today that don't want that. There's churches today that don't want that. There's people that don't want the preacher to preach the truth. As a matter of fact, look at this picture. This is what might happen. Congregants, we need a pastor who preaches the truth. Pastor who preaches the truth. There it is. <laughs> hmm. He gets beat up, tore down. Some of you don't know. I'm joking. All right, this is a joke. They might not actually beat him up, but I'll tell you what. Did you that preacher? I'll tell you what. I can't believe he. He's so negative. <laughs> um, Mom, Dad, are you ever negative to your kids? No, I'm not your dad but I am your pastor. And there's going to be times when we preach the Word of God that the Word of God is going to bring negativity in your thinking because you are doing something that is not right. You are negative in your lifestyle. God has to speak to your heart. God has to challenge you. And it is convicting. You ever been convicted by the preaching of the Word of God? I'll tell you what, it was by the, being convicted by the preaching of the Word of God is how I got saved. and I'm thankful that for a preacher that preached the truth. But it's not just in salvation. It's a continuation. It's something that we need to be challenged. And there's, yes, there's a place for edifying and building and growing and all of that. All of that's included. But I'll tell you what, most churches today, there is never any negativity. They're never challenging people and never preaching the whole of the counsel of the Word of God and challenging people to live a life of holiness. The church needs to be a place... That is not always a place of comfort because there's things that need to be exposed in the Christian life. And the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God will do that if it's preached. God will expose it. God will challenge our hearts. Once again, like I said, there's many churches today that that's not the preaching that's going on. I mean, if you, if you asked many people today, if they, the, the church that they're attending, when was the last time you heard a sermon that, that, sa- that said, you don't need to return evil for evil. Uh, by the way, that's what this verse is talking about. It says, wherefore, laying aside all malice. That's what malice is. Being spiteful. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. When's the last time you've been told from the pulpit, I'm talking about these churches, when, when's the last time they heard a sermon, when someone does evil to you, you do them good? Many churches today, you, you, they, don't, they don't talk about um, removing misconceptions and untruthfulness and dealing in business or in the family. They, they, don't, you know, they don't go to verses like Proverbs 16, 11, where it says, A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are His work talking about living a life of, of, of being an honest person, being a person that is properly following the Word of God and, and properly um, uh, responding to those that have hurt them. I mean, there's so many things. and you, know, you, you don't hear much preaching about hypocrisy or envy or slander. And yet, right there in our text verse, verse number one, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. Most churches today, they don't talk about things like that. They talk about the love of God, and yes, we should talk about the love of God. They talk about how that we all are the children of God. That's not true, folks. We're not all the children of God. Did you know that? Jesus Christ said that you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. And what differentiates the two is not one is a good person and one's a bad person. No, we're all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What makes the difference between the two is one has been born again. Talking about spiritual birth. The other one has not. They've been nothing more than physical birth. They're dead in their trespasses and sin, is what the Bible says. Born into this world, body and soul, dead spiritually, and there's never been a time in their place when they were born again, made alive spiritually. That's the difference between the two. Most churches today won't talk about things like that because if you talk about that, you've got to confront sin. You've got to confront people. You've got to tell them that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. By the way, I'm thankful that that once again, like I said, the preaching of the Word of God, I was confronted in my sin, in my place, in my position, and was made very uncomfortable. You know how uncomfortable I was? I was afraid that if I died that night that I would go to hell for all eternity. Church needs to be a place where people are told the truth. Our society today doesn't want to know truth. Have you noticed that at all? They want to hide the truth and they want to promote the lie. That's not what God's people should be doing. We ought to be desiring the truth. And it ought to be desired right here in the church house. It ought to be desired from the preaching of the Word of God. We all need to be challenged. Hey, listen, we all need to be challenged. You know there's times when people, uh, when people do evil to me that I need to be challenged and not do evil back to them? Anybody else here ever have that challenge? You know what I'm talking about? I need God to speak to my heart. We all need to be challenged with that. We all need to be challenged to, to be the, the, the godly uh, testimony that God wants us to be. And by hypocrisies, not living a life of hypocrisy. By the way, I'm telling you, listen, now. Ch- I'm going to challenge you with this. If you are living a hypocritical life before your children, you're going to have a difficult time in the future with them. They're going to have a difficult time staying in church. You're going to have a difficult time. They're not going to believe what you say because what you're saying doesn't agree with what you're doing. Hypocrisies, envies, evil speaking. And I'm just using this as an illustration, but we need to be very careful. We say we want to know the truth. Don't get angry then when the preacher preaches the truth. You ought to be wondering to yourself, how come I never feel conviction of the Holy Spirit of God when I go to church? There ought to be something wrong if you're not being convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. And now, that's one of two reasons why that could happen. You want to help me out? One reason is because why? The preacher isn't preaching with conviction from the Word of God. Is that possible? It is. What's the other reason why? What's that? Yourself. Absolutely Right. What? What about the self, though? Rodney. Conscious is seared. You've quenched the Spirit. You've grieved the Spirit. You're plowing through and doing things, perhaps in life, that you used to have a time when you were under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. You can sit through a message and it doesn't even get to your heart. God doesn't speak to you. That's a scary place to be. What a sad place to be, and I've known people like that. I pray to God that I never get to that place in my life. I pray to God that when God speaks to my heart, that my heart is tender. And I pray to God that there are people that would love me enough to tell me the truth and that God would speak to my heart. And I'm I'm kind of standing in an unusual place, but as the preacher, obviously, I'm the one doing the preaching. But you know what? I praised the Lord for the message last Wednesday night. Pastor Parker preached a great message. Challenged my heart. Challenged my heart talking about light and darkness. And it spoke to my heart. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to me through that message. I praise God for messages that speak to our hearts. I praise God for people that don't get to the place where they, you know what, you're going to find out this guy right here is human and makes mistakes. You know another reason why sometimes you're not going to get any preaching from the Word of God when you sit in the pew and the preacher preaches? Because all you can see is his faults. You're going to find them. You want to know a list of them? Just ask, um, anyway. I mean, you can find them if you want i get in trouble any name I placed right there. I was just going to leave that one right alone. You can find faults with this man right here. And I, I'll, I, You know what? If you want to know a list of them, you can talk to me. Because I know them better than any one of you know. But you know who's better to talk to about those faults? Talk to the Lord. He knows all about every one of them. Pray for me. What I'm trying to say is you're never going to get a person up here that's going to be perfect. You could stumble over what I do, and I'm praying that God would allow me not to be a stumbling block to you. But if you come into church and it seems like God's never speaking to your heart, but yet the preacher's still preaching from the Word of God, what's wrong? What's happened? The preacher all of a sudden doesn't preach the Word of God? What's going on? Now, if that's the case, you better kick me out now. If I'm not preaching the Word of God, get rid of me. If I'm preaching the Word of God and all of a sudden you're cold and indifferent and you never used to be, something's wrong. And it's not the Word of God. The Holy Spirit of God is still working. Is your heart cold and hard and callous? What's wrong? What's changed? There's a lost world dying and going to hell and we want to get upset because the pastor did something to offend us. He doesn't do it quite like I like it. I don't like the way everybody does it either. I'm serious. We all have preferences. We all have reasons why we like or don't like something. I might not like a lot of stuff, but you know what? Get it out of the way and don't let it stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Why we're here. Church is going to be uncomfortable. And that part right there might have been really uncomfortable to you. You say, amen, I want to know the truth. There it is. There it is. There's going to be times when we're going to be uncomfortable in church, and it should be. God challenges our hearts. You see, if I don't preach the negatives, what is going to cause you to get to where God wants you to be as a child of God? If I don't preach what to get out of your life, how are you going to get those things out of your life? Now, you can say God can speak by heart, but God definitely, the Word of God, we see it again and again and again. There's things that God says that we are not to do. There are things that we need to get out from our life. There are things that we need to get into our life as well. But there are things we need to get out of our life. Look at the, um, I mean, Let's just look for instance. Go back to go back to if you would, go to Second Peter now. Jump to Second Peter chapter one, look at verse number five. <clears throat> There's things we need to add to our life. Look at verse number five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. And to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. All right? So these are things we're to add to our life. And we ought to add these things to our life. I'm just using this as an illustration. This is nothing more than an illustration. It's, It's a command from the Word of God. It's something that we should do, but these are things that we should add. But what about the things in our life that we have to get out of our life? What about the things that we need to get out of? If we're going to add things into our life, there's things that we need to get out of. Go back to our text there. Look at verse number 1 once again. Notice what it says. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. There are things in the Christian life that need to be gotten out of our life. There are things in the Christian life that need to be gotten into our life, that need to be added to our life. And what my point is, what I'm trying to say is that there's going to be times when I'm going to be talking about adding things that feels good, talking about adding God's love and all the wonderful things, but when we talk about the negative things, of getting these things out of your life, it's not all that enjoyable, it's uncomfortable. But I have to preach those things as well. It's not about being comfortable. Listen, I don't want to be comfortable. You know, it's interesting. You know that a frog inside a frying pan is comfortable for a long time? A lobster inside the water that's coming up to a boil is comfortable for a long time? There are times in our life when we need to be very uncomfortable as the Word of God challenges us and speaks to our hearts. There are some things that we need to remove from our life. If we're going to be holy like our God is, we need to remove some things from our lives and add other things to our life. It's not either or, but rather both and. It's not one or the other. It is both of them. You can't just have add this and add this and add this without getting rid of the things that God wants us to get out of our life. Be holy for I am holy. I'm not talking about being holy. I'm not talking about self-righteousness either. Boy, I can make all kinds of additions to what I do to make myself look self-righteous. And there are some things that we do by tradition that's not necessarily being self-righteous. It's just the things we do. But when you take those things that we do that are tradition and you equate them to self-righteousness, now you've got a problem. We've got to be very careful with things like that. There are some things we got to be so careful about and that there's some things we need to remove. I'm talking about, let's, let, let's remove the evil speaking. How about that? Let's remove the hypocrisies. How about that? I mean, talking one way on Sunday and, and another way on Monday. Let's, let's Let's get rid of that. You all see what I'm trying to say here? Instead of saying, well, I need to add this and this and this, and yes, we do need to do that, but unless we get rid of those things... You can't add those other things. You can't add what, what he says there in 2 second, in second Peter, um, ch- verse 5, uh, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and, and knowledge. You can't do those things if you're not getting of the garbage out of your life. So what I'm trying to say here is challenging. And this, this message today is really about the subject of why church is uncomfortable at times. Some of you come and you hear the preaching of the Word of God, and, and, and it's like, man, that's, that's so harsh. But you know what? It's harsh because it, sometimes it, it is convicting, and it needs to be convicting. And God wants us to be holy, and, and there's some things we need to get out of our life. Let me move on. The church is not a place of comfort because a walk with Christ is not comfortable because I didn't have a say-so in how much God wants to use me. I don't have a say-so. I don't have a say-so in what God wants to do in my life. I don't. The only say-so I have is either yes or no. That's it. Now think about this with me. Do you have a say-so in what God wants to do in your life? The only answer is either yes or no. But what about the exact item, the exact thing? Did I have a say-so when God called me at the age of 14 to pastor or to preach? No. God called me. I didn't have a say-so in that. Let's break it down. Look, if you would, at verse number 5. You'll see what I'm talking about. Back to our text, look at verse 5, he says, "Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. By the way, I'm glad it's acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I'm glad it's not acceptable to God by my good works or my personal self-righteousness. Because that's not what we're talking about today. So don't walk away from here and say the pastor is saying that we have to somehow be holy and offer up to God things unto God by our own good deeds. That's not what it's saying here. But the Bible does say that we're to be holy. And the only way that we're able to be holy is by the, 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 the righteousness of Jesus Christ, is by what God does in our life. I want to go back now. I want you to think about this with me. Talk about not having a choice. Let's look at the example of Jesus Christ. Look back at his life in the ministry of, of Jesus Christ. Jesus made it very clear that that he was here to do the will of his Father. We were looking at this at 10 o'clock today and talking about what he came to do and why he came. When Christ came, he did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister. He didn't come for his own comfort. It was about doing what his Father wanted him to do. And, And it was doing it, even if it made Jesus uncomfortable. We don't often think about it this way, but do you realize that Jesus, yes, he was all God, but he was all man. Do you think he was ever uncomfortable? When he laid his head down at night, do you think he was ever uncomfortable? When he was there, and, and, and people were mocking him and making fun of him? When he went back to Nazareth is, I mean, how that they, they, they mocked him? I mean, Was he ever uncomfortable? I mean, you think about all the things that he went through. You think about the fact, I mean, think about the fact when he was there and, and he was doing what God had told him to do, how uncomfortable that he was. John six thirty eight says this, For I am come down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. He was really uncomfortable, though. You remember he was sweating drops of blood there in, in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to talk about uncomfortable In Luke 22, 42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You ever sweat drops of blood? Put yourself, understand what he's going through here. I don't think we possibly completely understand, but let's just try a little bit. We're talking about Jesus coming down from the splendors of heaven. We're talking about Jesus, literally God in the flesh. He's Emmanuel, God with us. We're talking about the one that spoke everything into existence. The one that knows why he's coming and what he's going to do and what he came for. And yet he came unto his own and his own received him not. and rejected him. People made fun of him. People mocked him. The religious people of that day, they, they didn't want nothing to do with him. We want to talk about uncomfortable He's the great I Am standing right there in their presence, and they're going through all these rituals. To what? It gets worse, though. we talk about uncomfortable. As he's there in the garden, as he's praying, he knows exactly what cup he's going to drink. He knows exactly what he's going to go through. He knows all about the betrayal He knows all about the fact of what he's going to have to endure. I mean, the beating. Jesus is going to be beaten mercilessly beyond our comprehension. We can't even comprehend the type of beating he's going to go through. He knew every bit of it, though. All the while being falsely accused of what? What did he do? What did Jesus Christ do? Why was he being beaten? For saying who he was? Yeah, he was pretty pretty adamant about who he was. He was God in the flesh. That's why. That's why they accused him and they accused him of blasphemy and they're beating him and all that he's going through. And I'm talking about man's thinking at the time of why he was being beaten. We all know it was more than that, wasn't it? He was going through all of this because of my sin and your sin. That's why he came. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being uncomfortable as you're, I mean, being beaten and they they... they they beat you over there ripping your beard out I mean can you imagine the cat of nine tails? Can you imagine them taking that the crown of thorns and smashing it under your head? Can you imagine being nailed to a cross? You know what I fear? I fear that we get so used to that concept that it becomes numb. We all never get numb to what Jesus Christ did for us. I want to talk about being uncomfortable. Uncomfortable as you're hanging on the cross and you're carrying our sin debt. You cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why did he do it? Why did he hang on that cross? Why was he there? He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for his love for us. Christ was uncomfortable. But you know what? I'm so thankful that even though it was uncomfortable for him that he didn't say, I'm done. I'm not doing it. I don't care. And yet how often... Do we find ourselves in the exact same position where we are uncomfortable not what Christ was going through I'm talking about being uncomfortable in serving God uncomfortable with something that God is speaking to our hearts about uncomfortable at anything that God wants us to do and yet we're not willing to do it because it pushes us out of our comfort zone I want you to look at something with me if you would go back there and look at, look at verse number 5 again look at it. what it says You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. God says you're a living stone. There's a picture that we see here. God's saying you're a living stone. I fit you in the place where I want you to be because I am the stone layer. Each one of us, we're part of the building blocks of the church. We're part of this living stone that he's talking about. You know, I can't imagine a stone layer at any time has ever had a stone say back to the stone layer that I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to that place. As the stone layer takes that stone, he puts them down on the piece of the wall right here. I don't want to go there. I want to go on the other side of the wall. I would be much better over there. It's more suited for me. Put me over there. Never would see that, but you know you and I are living stones that we want to talk back to the stone layer. Tell him where we want to be, when we want to be there, what we want to do, what we don't want to do. It might be a ministry that God would ask you to do and you say, That's I'm not doing that. It might even be a church. Now, I don't see it happening here, but I've, I've heard in churches in the past i have seen it happen where one, one person will say I don't want to go to that church it's too small they don't have a big enough ministry to meet my needs huh. maybe it's that God wants you to be part of that church so you can help that church to meet those ministry needs Amen. he's the stone layer and by the way if you're a member of Lighthouse Baptist Church God has put, made you a member of this church he's put you in the membership here and you don't have a say in that other than yes or no That's it. And by the way, I'll say this. If God isn't placing you into the membership of this church, then don't join. But if God is, you better join. Or you can say no. But I encourage you to obey the word of God as God speaks to your heart. But God puts you in there. God has a place for that. And it's amazing to see how God puts these pieces together for his plan and for his purpose. And when it comes right down to it, the reality is, I did not have a choice other than yes or no to be the pastor of this church. I didn't. You understand what I'm talking about today? I either had to say yes or no. That was it. I didn't have a choice. Now, you all had a choice. By the way, you chose, by the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, to call me to be the pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church. That's why I'm the pastor of this church, because God fit me as the pastor of this church. And I can say I don't want to be here. I can say I'd rather be over there. I can say whatever I want, but I'm going to tell you this right now. It's my commitment to you and to God. I'm not leaving this church till God moves me. That's, that's my commitment to the Lord. That's what I desire, and I, I continue to make that commitment. It's a choice you've got to make. You have to make the same decision for yourself, not about being the pastor of this church, but you have a position, you have a ministry, you have a place God has put you in. And if God is saying that he wants you to be part of it, say yes. Join. Make that commitment. But don't join just to sit. There used to be a saying I've heard many times that we win them, we wet them, and we work (laughs) them. It's kind of impersonal, isn't it? It's kind of... Just understanding that you win them to the Lord, they then get baptized, and then they get to work. Never intended for the person that's a part of the body of Christ to just sit there and do nothing. Serve the Lord. Get involved in serving. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable at times. Yes, it's going to be difficult at times. Yes, it's going to cost you something at times. You know, I want to talk about Wednesday night for a moment. Wednesday night church service. And let me just say a positive first. I'm smiling, right? <laughs> Here's the positive. Percentage of our church that comes to Wednesday night is off the chart compared to most churches. We have a, Let's just say that this is 100%. And it's not 100%, but let's just say what's here today, who's here. Percentage of people that come back on Wednesday night, high. I don't even know the number, but it's high. Average church, 10 to 20% comes back on Wednesday night average church. We have a high percentage. I praise the Lord for that. But let me just challenge you a little bit. Remember you said you wanted me to tell the truth? You're not going to beat me up, are you? (laughs) Let me tell you the truth. It's not just for the 10 to 20 percent. It's not just for the 50 percent. It's not just for the 60 percent. It's for the 100 percent. God wants you in church. Now, I know people have challenges. I understand some of you, you are working jobs. There's sometimes things happen. I know there's providentially being hindered. I understand all of that. There's health issues sometimes. I understand all of that. That's not even the point here. The point is, what I realize is this. For many people, coming to church on Wednesday night is a big sacrifice. I know it is. You work out all day. Your face is blaring red, wind blowing. You come inside the house you got to get changed or whatever you're getting ready to go to church. you got to grab your meal. You come sit inside here. Your face is on fire. You've been working all day. You're tired. I mean, it, it is a sacrifice. It's a challenge. It's uncomfortable to attend Wednesday night service, which makes me realize this. Sometimes my disobedience, my sin to God is the result that I do not want to be made uncomfortable. That's why I don't do it, because I don't want to, because it's uncomfortable. It's easier to not do it than it is to do it. It costs me something. I've got to actually change my schedule. I've got to make a decision what's most important. I've got to make a decision that I'm going to be in church or not going to be. Once again, I praise Jesus that he did not make his decision-making based on comfort. Are you with me today? Are you glad you're saved today? Amen. It's because of Jesus' discomfort that you are saved today if you trusted in him as your Savior. now I know that's pulling the old card, right? Well, oh, look at Jesus on the cross. You know what? I don't care what you want to call it. Look at Jesus on the cross. Look what he did for you. What are you sacrificing for him? Oh, I've got to give that time. I've got to be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night. I mean, Wednesday. What kind of church is that? Hopefully it's a lively church, a living church, a church that is alive. And, and we're going to get to the last point here in a moment. I'm going to get to that. But God wants for us to meet together. God has a purpose for that. And by the way, don't get mad at me. If, if, if what I'm saying today is bringing conviction to your heart, you have a choice to decide yes or no. And I'll be honest with you. This is the truth. God isn't the judge. I'm not. I, I, I'm not gonna, I get too worked up if I start walking around looking for things to judge everybody about. There's too much to worry about. i got enough right here to worry about. You you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying. But let God speak to your heart. Number three, the church is not a place of comfort because if I am to be offering spiritual sacrifices as written in the scriptures, then church becomes about what pleases God and not about what pleases me. It's about what pleases God. Go back to verse number five, the the last part. It says to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You see, you don't come to church because it's a place to make you feel comfortable. By the way, I love coming to church. There's many times I feel very, very comfortable. That's not the point here today, folks. It's just there's going to be times when you're not going to be comfortable. That's that's not why you came. It ought not be the reason why. I'm just coming to church to see what I can get. I just want to see all I can get, and, and man, that, that temperature better be right, and that music better not be too loud, and man, that preacher better not preach too long. Anybody want to say amen to that? What time is it? It's twelve o'clock. I'm doing all right. Huh. You see, you come to church because we jointly want to fulfill God's purpose in establishing the church. I want to establish, He established it. It is His church. And I want for him to be able to work in us and do why he established the church. Church is not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and God's purpose. Peter tells us a a few verses further down in our passage. Look at it, if you will. Look at verse number 9. Here's the purpose. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, yes, this connects with the Great Commission. absolutely connects. Why the church exists. Here it is right here, that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Do you realize that as a child of God, you are in the royal priesthood? People ought to be seeing God in you, and you leading people to Christ. You see, church is not about the pastor. It's not about the deacons. It's not about the rich folks that give generously to the church. That's not what church is about. Church is about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about what he has done in my life and what he is doing in my life. It's about how he has saved me and how he wants to use me then to be able to lead others to Christ. And so they can see that God is real, that is a real thing. That, and, 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 and by the way, we have to be a peculiar people for that to happen properly. Now what is that talking about? You're like, yeah, I know that's right in this church. There's a lot of peculiar people in this church. Look around. Look around. I don't even look at anybody. They're like, that pastor looked at me and said I was a peculiar person. <laughs> it means we're to be peculiar in this world. It means different. Sanctified, set aside unto God. Different. We're not the, rest, the same as the rest of the people in the world today. And we're not what we used to be. We are different. We are people that are living a life that is bringing honor and glory to God. We're a people that aren't afraid to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look what it says. A peculiar people that ye should. Can you all look at that verse with me? Would you read it with me? A peculiar people that ye should... Read it with me. Show forth the praise of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Have you been called out of darkness today? If you've been saved, that's what it's talking about. I I was blind. I was lost on my way to hell. I was in complete spiritual darkness. When I got saved... You know, I saw the light, my eyes were opened, I know Jesus Christ, he is the light. I know him, the light shines within me, praise God for that. And I'm going to show forth his praise for what he's done in my life. You know what that's called? That's being a soul winner and telling us about Christ. That's living a life before people and people seeing it in your life and you're lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, are you showing forth the praise of Jesus Christ in your life? with your actions and with your words. You see, church is about Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's about getting confident in the work of God so you can tell others about Jesus Christ. It's about bragging on Him and getting excited about Him and bringing people with you. Not just sitting in the same seat every week and never even talking about God, and then you show up at church and you say, Why isn't our church growing? Why aren't people getting saved? Why aren't lives being changed like they used to be? Hmm. Do I have to answer the question? Talk about Jesus. Let me tell you this, though. When you talk about Jesus, guess what's going to happen? Somebody's going to get uncomfortable. They will. But they need to. They need to know their position. They need to know the truth. They need to know that they died in that place. Without Christ as their Savior, they're going to die and go to a Christless eternity. Do we still believe that's true? Talk about it. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, you need to get them out of their comfort zone as well. So they can find true comfort and true peace. And true joy, you're never going to get that if you don't come to know Christ as your personal Savior. Let me just give you this challenge. and almost, I'm almost through this morning. There was a group of churches, they were Baptist churches, they did a survey back in 1950. They wanted to find out how many members of their churches, the Baptist churches, how many members it would take in order to see one person come to know Christ as their Savior. And they basically did it by statistics, okay? So for so many members equals so many salvations in a year. And the, the number came down 19 to 1. It took 19 church members for there to be one soul saved. Approximate, okay? Interesting number, though. But they continued to follow after that. In 1978, that ratio increased 36 to 1. 36 members of those churches that were surveyed in order to see one soul come to know Christ as their personal Savior. 36 to 1, well in 2003, by the way, the last year that I have record of when they actually did this and and, and tried to find out how many souls were saved according to members. In 2003, the number had climbed, that ratio had climbed 43 to 1. 43 to 1. You know what that tells me? That there's a whole bunch of Christians not comfortable talking about Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot of Christians that they're glad they're on the way to heaven. They got their uh, get-out-of-hell free ticket, and they know they're saved, and they're, oh, praise God, I'm going to heaven. But they certainly are not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not showing forth the praises of him who hath called them out of darkness. The numbers of people are not going down as far as they live in the world today. The numbers are going up and up and up and up. And this generation that we live in right now, this time that we're in, it is our responsibility to share the gospel with them. Those people that are in your world, in your life, in your realm, it is your responsibility. You're part of the royal priesthood. God has placed you in this place for this time. God has put you in places that God is allowing for you to be that person, that peculiar person that's living a life of holiness under the Lord, to bring honor and glory to his name. So you come to church not to get comfortable, rather to get bold in declaring the greatness of our Savior. That's really the bottom line for us while we're here. Yes, the church is not always a place of comfort. It needs to expose things in our life that are not Christ-like and get rid of them. It's to understand that walking with Christ is not comfortable because I don't have a say in what he wants me to do. I could say yes or no, but God directs if you'll let him. And if I'm to be offering spiritual sacrifices as written in the scriptures, then church becomes about what pleases God and not about what pleases me. Are you pleasing God? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your truth, the word of God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that does bring conviction and teaches, guides, directs, empowers. Yes, comforts. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts today. And I pray, Lord, that we would decide to say yes. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. Lord, challenge our hearts their heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you, do you know Christ is your Savior? Have you been born again? Are you a child of God? You say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I've, I've trusted in Christ as my Savior. I have no doubt I'm going to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless you. Put your hands down. You might be here today and you don't have that that peace in your heart of knowing. Is God speaking to your heart this morning? The message today was primarily challenging Christians, but I'll tell you today we heard about how Jesus Christ died for our sins. He paid your sin debt. God loves you. He wants you to spend eternity in heaven with him. Let me just ask you right now, is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart? You're here right now, you say, preacher, I'll be honest, I don't know. I don't have that peace of knowing for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I'd like to pray for you today. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just slip up your hand? I won't call you out. I will not embarrass you, but I will pray for you today. You say, I don't have that peace. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Could I pray for you? Would you just slip your hand up right now? Anybody like that? Christian? Is God speaking to your heart today? Are you willing to do what God has called you to do? Are you willing to be that, that part? That building block? You know God's speaking to your heart. There's Maybe even God is calling you to do something, and God has been working in your heart. You've not surrendered to it. It might be that God is challenging your heart about joining, becoming part of this church. Maybe God is challenging your heart today. There's some areas in your life and you realize you've been living for your own convenience. And if anything that God wants you to do is outside of that, you've been saying no. Would you just say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. I'll do it. I'm going to challenge you with this. How many people are going to heaven because of your witness? Because you've shared with them how God has delivered you from darkness. How God forgave you. How God is the answer for your life. Who are you witnessing to? Who have you led to Christ? Would you ask God to burden your heart? Would you ask God to help you be one that would bring people to Him? Souls would be saved, lives changed. Because of your testimony, because of your witness. I want to invite you this morning. If God is speaking to your heart, I would invite you to step out and come. And in just a moment, as I have a word of prayer, I would invite you to come. Song would be played. Have thine own way, Lord. Would you make that commitment, Lord? Lord, have your way in my life. Lord, speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, we'd listen to your Holy Spirit. Lord, may we desire your way, not our way. Lord, help us to see as you see. I pray in Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you come? Just simply say, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'll obey. Lord, I'll do what you're calling me to do. Lord, I'll obey your voice. Lord, I'll be a witness.